I gotta be honest, I I still don't. Where's that baseball? Oh here. Let me let me see it real quick. There you go. Because I still for our Twitch li- viewers, and if you're not following us on Twitch, my only question is why not? You can see our beautiful Twitch. faces. TV. Uh, Evo says Joe and Evo show uh, the two handles there. Um, I'm holding up the baseball. Is I got to admit, uh, when I watched last night, because I just got home from uh, wrestling with a jacked up knee. Poor Miller. And yeah, I am I am dying today. P.S. And I was putting my knee up on my little recliner. Had a bag of ice and I about fell over because I'm so, you know, we've talked about this so many times. The ESPN owns the SEC network, which is the college football playoff, which, you know, it's all nepotism. It's all connected. And I was fully waiting, even though they have three losses and haven't been that good. I was fully waiting just because they beat Alabama (sighs) for Auburn to be ranked ahead of Wisconsin or Florida or even in the Big Ten, Penn State. And I got I will give ESPN the four-letter network because, let's be honest, committee, it, it ain't no committee. It's whatever ESPN wants. Bunch ESPN kids. I will give them credit to have Wisconsin ranked ahead of Florida, Penn State, Auburn, and Alabama. I give them credit. Yeah. How awesome, when you saw the rankings come out and you literally saw, because how it broke down, Wisconsin in the image was above Alabama. Couldn't how, believe it. How good did that feel, even though they were eighth, Wisconsin's eighth and Alabama twelfth, but seeing Wisconsin above Alabama just yeah. just got a little butterflies in my stomach. Same, and just to be clear, it, it, it's it's deserved. Alabama has zero wins over ranked teams, and they have their both losses are to the two ranked teams they played, and they gave up ninety eight points mm. in their two losses. They don't deserve to be in that. If that was, you know, we were doing the, the blind resume thing yesterday with some of the Brewer free agents. If, if that was any other team other than Alabama, do you think that team's ranked in the top 25, Nelson? No. They have zero wins over top 25 teams, and their two losses are to the only two ranked teams they played this season by a combined 98 points given up. Nelly, do you think if that wasn't Alabama, if that's Wisconsin, <clears throat> if that's Minnesota, if that's, well, that's Iowa, where they would be. they'd be hanging out with Minnesota down around right. closer to twenty. Let me ask you guys: Do you think Wisconsin could beat Duke? Do I think Wisconsin? Yes, I think Wisconsin. New could Mexico beat Duke. State. Next, Southern Miss, Mississippi. Yes. Texas A and M. Yes. Tennessee. Yes. Arkansas. <laughs> yes. Mississippi State. Yes. Um, I don't even know what the name of this school. Western Carolina. If yes. you don't know the name, yes. <laughs> South Carolina. Yes. Um, I just read you Alabama's wins. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that, that's that's the Alabama's wins. Those. What what is that one team? Western Carolina, the Catamounts. Wisconsin would truck those guys. Yeah, it's just the whole schedule. And maybe it's finally starting with SEC fatigue. Um, I, I I don't understand why Georgia is still ranked fourth. Um, again, that'll take care of itself Saturday night, assuming LSU wins. Um, but yeah, dude, Alabama's I, schedule is weak sauce, dude. I got to admit, it's weak. Despite that, I still fully expected Alabama, Auburn, probably Florida, and it, I was fifty fifty on Penn State. I thought all those teams had a chance to be ranked out of Wisconsin. Um, you know, because again, like Terry, the last caller said, you know, the, the undoing is going to be Illinois ultimately for the playoff, in my opinion. But I did, I, I also thought it would be the undoing to really ever being ranked in the top 10 and to be at eight. 
Again, don't think there's a chance for the playoff. That does give you a really good shot now at the Rose Bowl. And then we learn the more information that the Rose Bowl could go rogue anyway. Um, so I think the Rose Bowl would have now, now that Wisconsin's ranked ahead of Penn State. See, it would have been a more difficult sell if Penn State was ranked ahead of Wisconsin going into the Big Ten Championship game and then Wisconsin loses. But now that Wisconsin is ranked ahead of Penn State going into the Big Ten Championship game, I think the Rose Bowl can justify taking the Badgers and say, look, they were ranked ahead going in. They mm-hmm. they shouldn't be penalized for playing an extra game. Therefore, we're going to take Wisconsin. I just, when I was reading Zach Heilprin's Twitter account last night and them talking about potentially Penn State, even if Wisconsin you know loses to Ohio State, they still could possibly take Penn State because the Rose Bowl, um, they would rather take a team the common misconception is they have a strong preference for the highest ranked team, but if there's a cluster, they take the most deserving and the team they think with the best fit. Could Wisconsin be the yeah, best? I think, fit? I think I think it is. I, that's what I'm saying. I think after seeing this ranking, <clears throat> I think the Big Ten now has the the out to say Wisconsin was the higher ranked team. We're not going to penalize a team for advancing to its conference championship game and losing and not giving them the Rose Bowl. I think again, if Wisconsin loses fifty nine nothing Saturday night, that's going to be tough for the Rose Bowl to keep the Badgers. But if it's a competitive game, if it's within the margin of the spread, if it's within two touchdowns, I think Wisconsin okay. now with being ranked ahead of Penn State, I think Wisconsin now does go to the Rose Bowl. I go. I went to the Rose Bowl website, tournamentofroses.com, and they give you the reasons why they do what they do. They said, should a team from the Big Ten or Pac-12 be selected to go to the college football playoff, the Tournament of Roses will traditionally select the next highest CFP-ranked team from that conference. There is, however, a caveat to the clause in the contract says their website. Quote, if the next highest ranked team is in a cluster of teams, meaning there is another team or teams from the same conference ranked within several spots of each other, the Tournament of Roses will select the team from that cluster that will result in the best possible matchup for the Rose Bowl game. In a cluster situation, here's the factors they take into effect in no particular order. The last time a team played in the Rose Bowl, head-to-head results, Regular season schedule, overall record, opponents played, past playoff or bowl appearances and performance, and finally, historical matchups. Yeah, I think at this point, again, with the rankings last night, what's going for him, I think the only thing uh, keeping Wisconsin out of the Rose Bowl at this point is to just get absolutely annihilated Saturday night. Because Penn State played in the Rose Bowl two years ago. So Wisconsin hasn't been there since 13. Penn State was there two years ago. Uh, Wisconsin is now ranked higher. Uh, Common opponent, Wisconsin won. Penn State lost. Minnesota, that's their common opponent. Everything right now favors the Badgers. The only thing I think that kicks Wisconsin out of the Rose Bowl at this point is losing by like three touchdowns or more on Saturday night. If they can keep it within 14 points, they're going to the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin fans also travel super well. I don't know exactly Love the Rose Bowl. how well yeah, Penn State's travels compared to Wisconsin, but you also have to factor in that there's a Disneyland out there. We do love our trips. Um, all right, 608-321-1670. You want to go to Disneyland? Isn't it Disney World out there or is it Disneyland? That's Disneyland. Land. The one in Orlando's better, but Disneyland's still pretty badass. I'll give I'll give you that. Nelson, a very anti-Disney person. Um, all right, 608-321-1670. Your reaction to Wisconsin back in the top 10. Uh, 
Badger Hockey back on the ice this weekend, and we say good morning to our Badger Hockey insider, Barry Richter. Barry, uh, with the uh, with the hockey version of this, could you ever eat? Have you ever attempted to eat a hockey puck? I've never attempted to eat a hockey puck, but I've, uh, how should I say it, inadvertently got a puck to my teeth. <laughs> one, was, one was forced in your mouth, Barry? Does that count? Uh, at some level, I mean, so Evo and I have this bat, you know, I figure it's like boiling it to soften it up so I can chew it. No, a hockey puck's made of rubber. That's not going to work. If I ever do a badger hockey puck eating bat, how do you think I go about eating a puck? I think I think you just shred it up on some spaghetti. How about that? Oh, like yeah, shot. shred it. We were thinking of doing chips. Like we would like cut it up and then yeah, I could slice, it, slice and then, it like and then, deep fry it. Yeah, fry it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, little pub chips. I can, say, I can save you some, Barry, if you want. Yeah, I like Pump that. chips. Pump. I like it. Uh, let's look back at the weekend, Barry. Uh, thrilling game on Friday night. Come from behind, get the win. It was a Saturday or Saturday night. night. Yeah, Excuse Saturday, me. Thank Sunday. You, um, and then Sunday, you go for the sweep. And I don't know, maybe it's to Ebo's point. Maybe just they weren't used to playing on a Sunday. Normally, the, they're sleeping in on a Sunday because uh, a, a rough one uh, losing on Sunday. What's your, your takeaway from the weekend series? I mean, it was a rough. It was a rough weekend all around. I mean, Saturday was great. They came back. Um, you know, Badger football won. You know, Badger volleyball was winning on Sunday. So it was, it was a good weekend for Badger athletics all around. But I think for Badger hockey, it just uh, it just seemed like they uh, you know caught on their heels and they just weren't ready to play for some reason or another. And I think the coaching staff is a little perplexed when you talk to them and you, and you look at what they're saying. You know, down two zero to a team, uh, Michigan were uh, at home, they should be able to sweep. Now, that just goes uh, to tell you that, uh, and you see it in the NHL playoffs last year, is that there's just a ton of parity, right? I mean, you just never know. A 30th-ranked team can come and beat you at any point in time if you're sleeping and you're not playing well and not top of your game. And you saw it a little bit Saturday. They rallied back and won, and you just thought that maybe some uh, momentum will carry over into Sunday and skating out the, the, the turkey legs, but... It just didn't uh, didn't happen. I was there Sunday, and it just wasn't there. I mean, Michigan took it to them. They were beating everyone to one-on-ones, and just wanted it more. Uh, visiting with our Badger Hockey Insider, Barry Richter. And, you know, you look at this stretch, Barry, and, and the good is, other than Penn State, right, you're not getting swept. You're at least getting points every series. The bad is you got to go back all the way to October 19th when you swept Minnesota Duluth, that's a month and a half now of series that the, the Badgers have yet to get, you know, a sweep or, or even three or four and get some momentum. They're just kind of in that treading water phase. I mean, what do you think of this stretch and what's going on right now? Yeah, this was these six games, and now we're down to the last two were the ones that uh, they, they had to they grabbed the full wins, the three points in the Big Ten standings, and they just weren't able to do it. And so now they go on the road to a tough Michigan State team where Danton Cole, the head coach there, has done a great, great job in uh, turning that program around. So this is not going to be easy. I mean, I believe Michigan State's in the top 16 now. So this is, uh, this is not going to be easy for them to come in there and, uh, and play in a small rink, which is a little bit smaller ice surface than they're used to at the, at, uh, the Cole Center, and with a team that just got swept by Ohio State. So Michigan State was really, uh, I think they were maybe 4-1-1 uh, one and one before they got swept um, by Ohio State, so now now you're going to want to going into a hornet's nest uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, and you mentioned Michigan State, um, you know, on the road, Barry. But you know, you got this this break right now. And people don't realize, you know, in, in, in college hockey, uh, teams kind of go dormant. Uh, you know, the Badgers don't play again until January 10th. 
Uh, we've talked about it many times. We, you know, we do it every year when, when you visit with us at this weekend. You know, how important are these games uh, going into a month layoff? Well, super important. I mean, it's just it's going st- you know, to whatever is going to happen is going to stick with you. So if it's positive, it's going to stick with you for a while. If it's if it's a if it's a game if there's a games that you're not going to grab points or grab some wins, I mean, then it's going to be a negative and stick for a while. And and right now, it just seems like they're in a little bit of a funk of just trying to get out of it. Um, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of shots on net. They're, they're, it seems like they're losing the one-on-one battles, and so they got to tighten up a lot of little different things and maybe just go back to the basics. Uh, that's what I did. You know, when you're losing confidence, when you're not playing well, you just got to go back to the basics where you just make the first pass right away. You chip it, you get it in, you dump it, you get it in. Don't be cute on the blue lines and turning over the puck. You know, just get back to 101 uh, playing hockey, and you're going to have to do that on the road. I mean, the first 10 minutes of Friday – is just going to be crazy. I mean, it's just going to be nuts. Michigan State's going to be, uh, you know, licking their chops to try to just pin down the Badgers. They see a, uh, sort of a wounded dog right now, so the boys have to get ready to play. Barry, how do you, like, I know you say go back to the basics. Like, what do you do in practice leading up to going back to the basics? Do you just relearn how to skate? Like, what is going back to the basics? <laughs> not the basics but i mean what, what you want to do is you got to maybe work on a little bit more defensive zone coverage so you're doing exercises where you're doing five on five in the defensive zone you're working on uh different things where you know you're just trying to gain good habits i guess what i say is uh is uh maybe play five on five you're, you're you know one team's red and one team's white and you're just trying to play in the zone and then different situations maybe face-offs or working on different little things, maybe work on the power play and doing different makeups rather than doing fancy things. You just walk to the middle, get some shots on net with traffic, and 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 uh, and do something that maybe gains a little bit more uh, traction and and traffic in front of the net. So that's what I mean by the basics, where you just sort of work on things that you know, as as, as if you're free flowing and you're having a lot of confidence. You just want to feel the puck, feel the ice, everything is going great. You know, you don't want to touch much stuff, you know, many, many things, right? So now you're just looking at your videotape, looking at videotape, and then that translates into the practice plan that the coaches are doing. Barry, you look at, at the Big Ten standings as, you know, we kind of get into to, to conference play now. And, you know, Penn State sitting atop 18 points, Ohio State, Notre Dame in second at 15 points. You know, the Badgers currently at just eight points. I mean, the gap already starting to get a little wide. If you're going to really compete – uh, for a conference title or a top two or three seed, the conference tournament, you know, it, it's starting to get to, you know, nut cutting time here is, you know, you're getting, getting a double digit deficit right now in points. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and if they could get a split this weekend, I think that would be a, something a little bit positive on the road. Like I said, Michigan state's a very, very good team. And then going to, and going to the break, relax, reset, hit the reset button, work on some things. You got some guys that might be going to the national teams. You got Dylan Holloway. He's going to be trying out for Team Canada, and and he he might be gone. So that this is a certain a certain time just to reflect and get back to it. And then hockey's a game where momentum, you know, where it's a, it's a lot of momentum. So if things are going well in the start of the season in January, you can see these guys making a run for it because they have the talent to do that with any good team in the nation. They do. They have it. And I, I you know, Lebedev is playing. I think a little bit better than that. Um, which I've seen in the past uh, couple of games, which is good. Uh, they just have to tighten up the things around them. Uh, individually, Barry, uh, Cole Caulfield with that incredible start, you know, leading the nation in, in goal scoring the first month or so. Uh, still up there, you know, 10 goals, but, you know, it's kind of cooled off a bit. Is that to be expected, you know, with a freshman or just a long season? Um, do you expect it to him when it's all sudden to, to, to be back near the top or at the top of goal scoring? 
Yeah, that's expected. I mean, there's no way he could have kept that pace that he was going on, and, and now teams are figuring it out. They're seeing the game tape on him, and then it's just, it just happens with pure goal scorers. You'll see this in the NHL. They'll just be hot as can be, and then all of a sudden there'll just be a little bit of a lull. But, you know, the good thing is, and the positive thing is, is that he's getting chances. So it would be one thing if he wasn't getting any chances, but he's ringing the post. So he is very, very close to – and he rang the post and it went in on, uh, on, on Saturday night. So he is very, very close, I think, more maybe Sunday night. He's close to just scoring, but it's just not going in for him. So what you really got to worry about is you're not getting the chances as a goal scorer and you're not getting the shots off or, or and, and, and it's just become a little bit heavy that way. But he's definitely getting the chances, so I'm okay with it, uh, you know, getting a little low here. It'll just break out as soon as he can, as, as it may happen. And, Barry, did I see uh, that Dylan Holloway is uh, trading in his Badgers red and white for Canada's red and white? He's getting yep. called up to the yep. junior team? Yeah, so he's going to be going to camp, and, uh, and that extends over the break. So he may miss maybe the first part of uh, the January games, all depending on how Team Canada does in the World Juniors. And that's over – starts like uh, December 26th and goes into the new year, and it's one of the best tournaments in the world where you see the best 18-, 19-year-olds uh, internationally come together and play. And nothing better than playing for your own country. So hats off to him. Good luck. Hopefully he can make it, uh, make the team. I'm guessing he will. Just uh, from all the all the scouts that have been in the ranks lately and watching uh, him play because he's projected a first rounder, so nothing better than putting on the old nation jersey. So that's that's good. good. Hats off to him. But I see five Badgers all time has skated for Team Canada and won the junior championships, and all five have medal. That's pretty cool. On your days, what was it like putting on the USA jersey and playing for uh, America? America. Well, it was great. I mean, you're 18 and 19. It's just uh, you're really, really young. And then when you just, it's, it's interesting because you're playing college games, and all of a sudden you just go and join this team, and you have maybe a week to prepare, you know. And then and you get, come together with guys from Minnesota, from out east, Boston area, and you just come together and put the the jersey on that the, that represents the United States. So you get, I get tingles right now just thinking about it. And and you have a lot of pride. There's a lot of sense of pride, not only for the nation, but also in terms of who is the best in hockey. And that's a big thing. Team USA and the World Juniors has done a great job the last several years of, of establishing and putting themselves on the map way much more than back in the 90s when we were there. It, it, we, were, we were just trying to play catch-up against Canada and Russia. But now you got Team USA is right up there at the top four nations. Barry, I think I know the answer to this question, but I have to ask you. When you got Team USA jersey on, you're standing on the ice, and the national anthem is playing, is it like the ultimate chills? Oh, it's the best. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And then everyone just, you're looking at the flag, you feel very, very patriotic. You feel great about who you're playing for. You feel great about what United States stands for. I mean, a lot of emotions just run through your head when you put that jersey on and you're sitting there and just pausing and hearing your your national anthem. So it's just, and then you get a bunch of guys that you never play with on, on a regular basis. So you got one thing in common: you're playing for your nation and you're also trying to win a medal. So, well, like I said, I get a little bit chilled just thinking about is it. Is that is that moment when the national anthem's playing and a and a hockey player is wearing his you know Team USA jersey? Is that the only time you'd ever see a hockey player shed a tear or two? I mean, it's, you're definitely getting tingles. I mean, it's just uh, you're, you're you're right about that. I mean, it's just uh, you, a lot of emotions are going through your body in terms of just uh, like I said, representing your country. So it's you know, cool, man. drops you get going, and then you know, whoever wins the game too. That they they play that they play the national anthem of the team that wins the game. Nothing better than when you're winning the game at the end of the day, and the other team's got to listen to your national anthem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, visiting with our uh, Badger Hockey Insider, Barry Richter. Uh, hey, Barry, how, how busy uh, are you? How busy are things over at Helsman Johnson these days? Oh, very busy. We've had a, we've had a, 
a good 2019. Uh, hired uh, another hockey player named Jake Dowell, so he's going to oh, be yeah. joining us. So huh? Jake Dowell played for the Blackhawks and uh, and played about 170 games in the NHL. So he's back in town in Madison and just a a good good person, good kid, sort of a little bit more of a toned-down Strobel, so uh, imagine what you got there, right? <laughs> well, that's so. good, because maybe he can cover for you, because here's what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, the, the Big Ten ACC Challenge starts tonight in basketball. You know, Wisconsin plays NC State. I'm looking at the, the men's uh, pairwise rankings, college hockey. Minnesota State 1, North Dakota 3, Denver 4, Penn State 6, Ohio State 7, Notre Dame 9. I want to put together with Barry Richter, it'll be presented by the Joe Nebo Show, the Big Ten WCHA Challenge in college hockey. Can we make that happen? Hey, I like that, boys. You guys are on top of it. I love Hell that. yeah, Barry. I mean, that's a, that is a great, great thing. I'm going to mention that. I'm going to, and, and hopefully uh, Strobel is listening, Coach Mark Strobel is listening. I think that's a great, great idea where you can get that back and, uh, and have that on an annual basis. Yeah. Awesome idea, boys. That's the best thing I've heard all day. See, why, why, I mean, seriously, you know, you have obviously the, the WCHA connection with Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, you got the geography. They do it in every other sport, right? College football has the conference versus conference thing. College basketball. Why don't we do it? And we'll be the you know we'll be the ground floor on this. Barry, Joe, and Ebo. Pioneers, boys. I We're doing it. it. We're I, doing I, it. I, I think the fans would like it. I, you know, coming and having uh, we saw Minnesota Duluth coming in. North Dakota has an excellent team. Having them come, uh, you know, the Cole Center or having us go up to Grand Forks. Nothing, nothing better than playing up in the old. Uh, Grand Forks uh, City up in North Dakota. So I love the idea, guys. I mean, I think you got something here. I, I'm, I'm, I get, get, oh, yeah. have Granado or Strobes call me. We're gonna, we're gonna we're get this, this thing done. I gotta get Alvarez oh. on speed dial. We're getting this thing done. <laughs> oh, that's a no brainer. You guys got. To, I love it. I love it. You guys should trademark this now. I'm on done. It. <laughs> done. Uh, all right, then. Uh, before I let you go, Barry, I think you said it earlier. I mean, is it, it's always the goal on the road to just to, to get points, right? Try to find a way to win one of these games this weekend. Yeah, if they can get three points, I think that would be a, a pretty uh, successful weekend. Like I said, they're going into a team that is just, uh, you know, has played well, but then they got knocked down uh, last week in Ohio State. So there's going to be a little excitement on Michigan State uh, and to try to gain two wins. And if the Badgers can come out with some solid uh, play and, and win at least one of the games and, you know, never know, maybe steal something and get some four out of six points, Get out, of, get out of there, get on the plane, and get back to Madison, get ready for exams. I think they'll be very, very happy. Hell yeah. All right, let's let's uh, let's get rolling on this. Big Ten WCHA Challenge presented by the Hausman Johnson Insurance and the Joe and Ebo Show. Yep. Oh, boys, you got something there looking good. And then it. we can bust out the bucket of mullet hair for the trophy. Yeah. Oh, man. Love it, boys. You guys are on top of your game today on this Wednesday. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. All right, have a good week. Take care. There he is, Barry Richter. I'm going to get on this. Is this a thing with Travis Shaw where there's more to the story or after thinking about it for a day, we've now come to the realization that he's a D-bag? Because we had this before. We had this last week with like the Barstool Sports and the ESPN Bowl Flap where like at fir- initial reaction was the other way. Initial reaction was like, man, what a D-bag ESPN is for blocking Barstool. But then after thinking about it, I'm like, nah, I mean, they own the Bulls. They pay the money. I'm like, that ain't a D-bag. Would this be the opposite of that? Where, like, at first we hear the comments, and when I first saw him on Twitter, I was like, I mean, it's kind of weak sauce, but what player ever leaves on the, uh, when they don't leave yeah, on their terms are many. happy? It wasn't the worst thing, but is this one of those that you've had a day to think about it? 
and we're all like, maybe Shaw is a D-bag now. All right, Nelly, read the comments of Shaw because he got non-tendered, right? So He did get non-tendered. Still efforting because his computer is all right, I have one incredibly of them. fast. So Travis Shaw's agent – yeah, that computer sucks. Travis Shaw's agent, Joe Bick, said the Brewers' David Stearns made, quote, a good effort to strike a deal, but then his agent said – and Travis Shaw said, quote, We think Travis needs a change of scenery. No hard feelings about it. We're sorry it didn't work out. It's a risk Travis is willing to take. And then he said some other things too, Nelson. That's the other one I want to work on. Because when Travis Shaw's agent came out and we read the comments, we're like, man, this sounds like someone is very, very butthurt. Didn't the Brewers stand by Travis Shaw through thick and thin? They had Keston Hira down in the minors when we all knew Hira should have been up. And Travis Shaw was hitting... I think it was 157 with a 551 OPS. He stunk. Yeah, the Brewers did all they could to support a guy like Travis Shaw when he was such a liability going up to the plate. Like it didn't even look like he was trying at times. It was strike 3, you know, left and right. So it, Travis Shaw was and his agent was saying that like the Brewers didn't have confidence in him and he wanted to go somewhere else and other teams were already calling. Dude, I don't even have confidence in him if he was on my softball team and he was playing like that. Like, for how bad he was, they kept him on the big league roster for another month when you had a kid that was, for all intents and purposes, when he came out in that draft, supposed to be the best peer hitter in that draft that the Brewers drafted in Keston Hira. And he was hitting, what was it, over 300, hitting home runs. He had better stats in the, those two, three weeks that he was up than Travis Shaw did that whole two months he was playing. Mm-hmm. And yet they still stood by Travis Shaw. And I believe it was David Stearns and Craig Council came out and said, hey, we are, you know, he's deserved this. He's earned it for this past two seasons. We're going to stand by him. Until three months later, you couldn't do it anymore because you needed some production. So Shaw's comments, are they D-bag worthy or is it just him saying like, you know, whatever, I'm out of here? But that's what I'm saying. I feel like this is kind of, uh, again, kind of like the anti uh, of the, we had this exact same discussion uh, last week. But with, I think that's where the difference is. It sounds like David Stearns and the Brewers were in talks with his agent trying to get him back there. They didn't want to tender him and pay him. I think it was close to four five million dollars. They didn't want to pay him that price because that was that would have been close to the price that he would have been owed had he had another average season. They didn't want to pay him that after that terrible clunker, but they wanted to renegotiate, and I truly do think the Brewers wanted to re-sign him. It sounds like from all the reports, that's exactly what they tried to do, and Travis Shaw and his agent said, no, nah, I'm not interested. Well, they said, wasn't it his uh, agent's comments at the end was, the phones are already ringing? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I don't see him sign. He says, the agent said, teams are already calling. Who's calling? The Mallards? I think you have to be a you have to be in college, so you would have to go back to uh, college. Okay, but, who's uh, calling the the Utica the, Beloit, the, no, the Utica the, A's home talent league? Nelson? We could say the Beloit Snappers. It's not a good look here. Did your did your did your hometown team reach out to Ooh. Travis Shaw and his agent? Is that the team that's calling? I think I'd take a gamble on Nelson. <laughs> you, I mean, on all seriousness, would Shaw Shaw would hit above one eighty two in in home talent ball though, right? I mean, he'd probably be at least a 250 hitter in home talent. He'd probably hit like 400. Well, you don't know that for sure. I mean, what's what's the filthiest stuff you've ever seen in a home talent game from a pitcher? 
I mean, there's some pretty decent pitchers, but none that are that level. So Stern said on non-tendering Shaw, quote, it's a very challenging decision. Travis was such a key component of a team for multiple years, a big reason why we were able to become a competitive franchise again. We just couldn't line up on a deal today. And then Shaw's agent says that the Brewers lost confidence in him and he wanted to go elsewhere because he didn't think the Brewers no longer wanted him. But from what Stern's talked about, it sounded like they were trying to get a deal done, and Shaw said, see ya! Well, I think the, the biggest reason why you would say Shaw is a D-bag in this is what you guys talked about. And I remember being at that game. Well, I was one of the few that I remember because everyone else was so annihilated. But I do remember We it. were all. You were annihilated, yeah. too. The guy um, without a shirt wasn't Okay, maybe I was. The guy that couldn't get into the stadium? Fair point. <laughs> but I do remember. I, that's a fair point. Um, I do remember being there. I remember there, it, though. I remember the sign. And I remember we had a promo running afterwards. What I'm talking about is how the Brewers, and specifically Stearns, were standing by Shaw uh, during the summer, basically at the expense of Keston Hira. And it really didn't make any sense to anybody. And so the Brewers were willing to be loyal to him when they really didn't need to be. And then when the, the shoe's on the other foot, Shaw just says, peace out, I'm out of here. Yeah. So when you wanted the team to be loyal to you and stand by you and you can't hit, they did it. For and far when, too long. Right. And then when the team's expecting you to be loyal back, you're like, I'm out of here. So that you know, Teams are already right. calling. So that, to me, that more than the comments from the agent, that would be, if you want to say Travis Shaw's a D-bag, that's why I would say yes is, look, they, they, they left a rookie of the year candidate in AAA to appease Shaw's sensitive, fragile, you know, psyche. My feelings. And then when it comes to being a man and signing, re-signing, there's just, there's no loyalty the other way. What teams would be calling when you bet 157? Nelson, what teams would be calling? I mean, for me, I think, I do think Travis Shaw has a bounce back. That's why I wanted to see him sign. He no longer has Keston Hira right on his butt pushing him for his job. He has the job at second base. Moose is now gone. That's a, that's an all-star. You have third base back where you wanted to be. What more do you want? And the Brewers stood by him for far exactly. too long. Exactly. What more do you want besides the only reason was that I can think of is he thought he was worth more than whatever the, I think it's $4.7 million was his tender. He thought he was worth more than that, and the Brewers said, no, you're not. That's the only thing I can see. I don't know if he he's had everything else in front of him. Is he debagged on her, though? Like I said, the comments, no. When you factor in last summer, them standing by his side when they didn't need to, showing extreme loyalty to the guy, um, when you were still in a playoff chase and you were trying to hang on to the wild card and you're standing by this guy over a white-hot Keston Hira, that's where I would say that's so, where the D-bag I think comes you might, from. You might question the D-bag more, say, in two months, if he's still unsigned. And comes back with his tail between his legs saying, okay, I'll take a deal. Yeah. Or if he signs for less than $5 million. So should we wait on it to see what happens? I think, in a we I think it's a wait and see. All right. Speaking of Kesson Hero, you brought this up. And Nelson sent this to me last night. I saw this on Brewers Twitter. Uh, Robert Murray tweeted it out. Uh, the Brewers have gotten strong trade interest in Keston Hira, according to sources. A deal has been described as unlikely, which with one team in contact with the Brewers saying it would take, quote, a bleep ton, a crap ton, I can't say the word they actually said, a crap ton to facilitate a trade. Oh, bleep ton's not a real word. I thought that was a real thing. It starts with an ass and it ends with a hit. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, sh- ton. I, got, I got it, I got it. Okay, sorry. FCC's listening. We've been. They won't let me the FCC be. FCC put us on yeah, notice. They won't let me be me. So, what, Nelson, what would facilitate a bleep ton to get a trade for Keston Hero? 
And then I saw this too. Brewers have taken calls on Josh Hader and Lorenzo Cain. Well, I told you guys about the Cain rumor the other day. I did, I did not see the Hera thing, but um, uh, the Hera thing is not going to happen because it would take like a king's ransom. Yeah, I think t- probably to get Hera, you'd probably have to get three quality players that could step in and play, and probably a prospect. But then there's the reports of Hater on the chopping block or the trade block and Lorenzo Cain. And for the Hater for what the they've put the Mets estimated buying price would be. That would be insane. That's like essentially three starters and a prospect for Hater. Would you trade? Would you guys ever trade Hater? I would. If you were in the deal, yeah. If you could get, if you uh, you're in the position, absolutely. I think the only person on this roster that is not touchable is Yelich. Well, you forgot one. There's two. Let the only guy that's playing two positions. You're gonna really trade a guy, Nelson? That's your starting left fielder and first baseman. Joe, if I was running the team, he would have been <laughs> cut years ago. You would have. Well, Ryan Braun's on question because oh. Braun holds the power to say where he gets traded to. Yeah, I would have tried to get that Dodger deal done for anything. Did you see the year he had last year, Nelson? Right, enough about him, though. I mean, he definitely was better than Domingo well, who, Santana. Could you see Hader or Locaine getting traded? Um, Hader because he's he's only make what is he for arbitration four and a half million dollars this year? Yeah, but they think he'll he'll end up taking home more because of obviously how dominant he's been the last two years. I mean, Kane's making what like it's he's, Kane's he's, like around fifteen. Yeah, he's halfway home on a seventy million dollar deal. The trade would be Hader because you're getting an all star for four million bucks so you, a year. Yeah, you'd be buy, you'd be selling low on Lorenzo right. Kane after a terrible year, probably one of his career worst. Yeah, you're not going to get value. So he won the gold glove? And he still owed $53 million. Yeah, no, I, I if you're going to get something, it's Hater because, you know, it's like it's the same thing in football, right? It's when you, because you don't pay rookies that much, and, you know, it's the Seattle Seahawks method, right? When the Seahawks are winning the Super Bowls, Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, all these guys were third-round draft picks making two hundred grand a year. And the Seahawks had endless salary cap. It's the same thing. That's why you would a guy like Hater has such value because he's a great player and he's only making you know this guy Wheeler we were talking about where this whole started. You know he's talking about twenty to thirty million dollars a year with the Phillies and he's a great player. But so is Josh Hader who's making four million dollars a year. Here, here's what I wanted to talk about the the news of the day yesterday in the NFL was obviously. The Ron Rivera firing, and I—he's he, one of those where I don't think he's going to be unemployed very long. I think it just had ran its course in Carolina, much like the Mike McCarthy firing last year. Don't really get it in season. Guy's been to Super Bowls. Guy's been Coach of the Year. Guys had MVPs. Uh, I think Ron Rivera earned the right to finish out the season, but I do get the owner's point. He was like, "Dude, we're going to fire him at the end of the year. Everybody knew that. Why not get him out of here now? Give him a chance to get a fresh start in us as well." Same thing with McCarthy. I understand it. I think guys who have been at that level deserve a little better fate. But here's the thing. Mike McCarthy is still out there, right? Yep. Ron Rivera is now going to be out there. Yep. And I think it's pretty well established that Jason Garrett's now going to be out there. Uh, Did you see what Jerry Jones said yesterday, though? That Jason Garrett's a great coach, and he plans on being a, the head coach of the Cowboys next season. Yeah. But he's, I guarantee he's just saying right. that. Troy, what else are you going to say? And Troy Aikman, who's, you know, he's Mr. Dallas, he came in and was like, BS, 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 Jerry. So bottom line is this. Mike McCarthy, we know, is out there because he's currently unemployed. Ron Rivera, we know, is out there. He's currently unemployed. Yep. And I do believe Jason Garrett, whatever Jerry Jones says, is he, going he to, gone. he's going to be unemployed. 
So you have those three coaches. Those are the – look, I mean, Garrett, to his credit, he's been a pretty successful guy. He's not – I don't think he's at McCarthy or no. Rivera level. Those guys have both been in Super Bowls. Great clapper, though. But, okay, so if you had a musical chairs – I mean, Freddie Kitchens is going to be gone in Cleveland, but he stinks. He stinks. I mean, I don't even know why that dude is a coach. Out of the if you, the musical chairs of Garrett, Rivera, McCarthy, let's just start with those three. Because I think all three will be coaches next year. All three will be interviewing for jobs. Who Who is the first? Rank them. One, two, and three. And if you said Cleveland has a job opening, Carolina has a job opening, and Dallas has a job opening, fill it with those three or anyone else. McCarthy has ties with people within the Panthers organization already. So I guarantee they will interview McCarthy. He's already got a he's already assembled a team and he's grinding film nonstop. Correct. And he's out there too, so he's not employed by an NFL team because he chose to take a year off. So they can talk to him anytime they want Correct. to talk. So McCarthy will get an interview with the Panthers. I can guarantee you that. Would he go to Cleveland though? John Dorsey's there. I don't know. John Dorsey didn't they kind of spurn him before? But McCarthy didn't want to do it though. I am a bit surprised. Now a lot of this. But uh, I'm sorry to rank them. I would probably go. Unle- who gets the job first? Well, yeah. Who rank them? Uh, one, two, three. Who like who's the most desirable candidate? McCarthy, Rivera, Garrett. Whether it's those three teams, or I mean, there there'll probably be other NFL coaches that get fired at the end of the season. But just as of right now. Those, I think, are the three leading candidates to be new head coaches because Rivera and McCarthy are currently unemployed, and I think Jason Garrett any day now could be unemployed. I think it would go, just because McCarthy sat out a year, I think it would go Ron Rivera 1, McCarthy 2, and Jason Garrett 3, just because Jason Garrett. What do you think, Nelson? Rank them. Rivera, I think I'd go McCarthy, in the same Garrett. order Ebo just said, just because Ron Rivera's also played in the Super Bowl, what was that, 2015? With Cam Newton, mm-hmm. yes. and he's also known as a, a players coach, so a lot of players love him. Um, I do want to McCarthy talk. McCarthy kind of left on bad terms, where it was. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered between his ending in Green Bay. Yeah, I, well, I, just go ask Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> we'll go ask. What is it? Ty Dooney? Done? Done? Whatever. <laughs> he ghosted report. us. Uh, 608-321-1670. Uh, Conrad, welcome to the Joe and welcome to the Joan Ebo Show. Guys, I love this topic because this is uh, what we deal with every year in the NFL. And, and our, our boy Mikey, he's got to get a job. I want him back in the NFL. Um, and I, what would I want to see happen and what's going to happen is probably totally different. But I really think – I think McCarthy would be a great fit in Cleveland because he's not one that's going to run – he's not going to want to run the ball a lot. And Baker loves to throw it, and he's got some good weapons. But he's got some really great running backs. I think they'd have a really good team. He's an established coach. And then Rivera, I think he would be a great fit in Dallas. But here's the thing. You're dealing with the Jerry factor. So what we believe is going to be normal or a good decision will be a Jerry decision, which could be good but may not be. It's going to be somebody tied to the – I mean, I'd even say that Nick Saban would have a better opportunity to be the coach of Dallas than Rivera, even though I think Rivera would be a good fit, strong running game, decent defense, probably get the team into the playoffs. And then as far as Garrett goes, I, I'm willing to say he will be more successful outside of Dallas than he was inside of Dallas because of just – that's got to be the worst place to be a head coach because of what's breathing down your neck. Right. 
Conrad, I mean, think is, of this too, though. Gotta be worse we got to throw York. we got to throw another opening and a coach on there. It's going to happen. Dan Quinn's going to get fired from the Atlanta Falcons because they almost yeah, fired him that, at their yeah, bye week. That's a whole other topic because you you look at Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan is he at the end of his career or is he at the peak of his career? What's going on with that guy? I, so I mean I don't even know. I could see that being uh, maybe like a Lincoln Riley later, boys. See you, Conrad. Thank you, uh, Conrad. I've heard uh, that Garrett, because he, he played there and he was real, really well-liked when he was there, that the, if the Giants uh, get rid of Shermer, that Garrett makes sense in, uh, in, in, in New York. But here's the thing. You, you mentioned Atlanta. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to want the Redskins job. But let's just go down the line of, you know, um, who, where, where, where are there, where there will be uh, coaching openings? Um, you know, right now, do we, I mean, do we all agree that Dallas, that Garrett's probably done in Dallas? Has to be. No. Well, yeah, what if they sure. get, what if they get in the playoffs to make a run though? I don't foresee it happening, but. That would be the only, yeah, he'd have to get probably at least to like the NFC championship. Game. Yeah. So I, I think, think they need to focus on getting to 500 first. That's eight, a good eight. point. Um, Dallas, Dallas, I, Washington, Cleveland, Washington, Cleveland, the Giants. I mean, he's two and 10. Yeah, what about these the new? Jets? I know they just hired him, but gosh, Gase, Gase is, terrible. is terrible. He's terrible, but they gave him like so much. He's like the GM and the coach, and I just I don't think they're going to fire him. And I think he's so. Okay, in Atlanta, Atlanta, Dallas, Cleveland, and what else? Washington, Washington, and Carol- possibly the Giants. What about Carolina and Carolina? So there's six per- openings, five maybe six. Cincinnati. If- no, he, he's a first year. That guy. guy's not qualified to be a head coach. Agreed. I'm just saying, where well, are they really going to fire Pat Shermer? What was he hired in 2018 for? Right, the he's only been there a year. That's what I'm saying. Do you fire a guy? What about, what about Detroit? Matt Patricia? I, well, I mean, you they're going to chalk that with up. Broken yeah, back they're and... going to chalk that up to a lost season of injuries. I, I think he's safe. I think potentially five, six. Okay. Course. Well, if there's five or six, and I think that's a pretty good number. Mike McCarthy has got to be one of the five or six leading candidates yeah, right now. No, he's, yeah, totally. He has got to be a coach in the NFL next season. The question is, where do you want to see him end up? Uh, Rick and Lacrosse, welcome to the Joe Nebo Show. Hey, guys. How you doing? Rick, what's up, what's up man? Hey, I got to tell you what happened. I saw this morning. I saw the damnedest thing. I got up really early, took a drive down through Riverside Park, which is right on the Mississippi down there. Yeah. And it's dark, a little foggy, and I can hear this faint singing. And all of a sudden, through the fog, here comes this boat. And on the front, it says, PJ's Pretenders. <laughs> and a uh, little guy up in the back with a megaphone. Guy's rolling on the side. It says, see you, Ma, headed for Cochamp Bowl. <laughs> and they slowly, slowly fade out of sight. And on the back, it says, Flex Fakers. <laughs> I, I never seen anything like it. Flex but Fakers? <laughs> they're on their way. Man, he's rolling that boat all the way there, eh? Exactly. <laughs> hey, Rick, can the uh, can the uh, the Badgers make it to the college football playoffs if they beat Ohio State? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I'm holding the baseball. That would be my meal, uh, Ricky. It's not uh, not happening. Thank, that's Thanks, Rick. funny. Nice Thank you, buddy. <laughs> uh, well done. Flex right. fakers. Six zero eight. PJ's pretenders. Sixteen seventy. I, I got it. This McCarthy to Cleveland would be amazing for so many reasons. And then there's like, you said it, like, do you want him in the NFC? Like Atlanta would, I mean, you put Matt Ryan. Didn't Mike McCarthy kind of save Brett Favre at the end of his career? Yeah. A lot of people, wouldn't McCarthy 
Matt Ryan, the twilight of his career, makes sense. Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, and McCarthy for a couple years in Atlanta. But you're going to end up playing him probably, you know, most regular seasons. And then you imagine the Falcons, coached by Mike McCarthy, and Green Bay in the playoffs? Or, the, or Cam Newton and the Panthers versus Mike, you know, versus the Packers? Well, the Panthers owner, David Tepper, has deep ties with McCarthy because they're both from Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it's going to end up in Carolina, but the Atlanta thing is really fascinating, and Cleveland uh, as well. Uh, where would uh, I'm full of hope? I'm, I'm the captain of hope, so yeah. Where's the captain of hope going to end up? And I always will make time for this man right here, a Joe and Ebo show legend, a Brewers legend. He's McClung like a horse, Seth McClung. What is up, my dude? <laughs> Hey, what's going on, guys? It's good. Dude, having you on the show, that's what's good, my man. And giving you a follow on Twitter is always good, too. Big Red B-Ball 73. Seth, catch us up. It's been a couple months since we talked. I saw, what, you had a hot chocolate and fire pit kind of night in Florida with the uh, the daughters? <clears throat> well, How was uh, yeah, it, man? Yeah, it's actually like 60 degrees down here. So uh, it's definitely cold for, for what uh, everybody down here is, is uh, panicking about. So uh, nothing like you guys have up there. But uh, for us, we actually got the crank the fire up, and uh, have a little hot chocolate. Well, it's 33 degrees here, Seth, right now. What what do people do in Florida when it hits 60? Do you guys all hunker in and put on your parkas or what? <laughs> they panic. Uh, you know, I'm from West Virginia, so for, for me, I love this weather. I, I dress like it's uh, cold all the time, so uh, you, you'll see uh, you'll see so many people just in their, their winter-heavy coats like, like uh, a guy froze to death last night, so it's crazy. <laughs> So Seth, I want to talk to you about the about the Brewers and all the comings and goings. You know, relief pitchers, Josh Hader on the trading block, possibly yada yada yada. But before I do that, uh, I love following you on Twitter. And when I come to the World Series, and the Astros gotten, I guess, some hot water with stealing signs. As a former player, and I saw you tweeting about it. Is sign stealing a really huge deal in the majors right now? Did you notice it in the World Series? Well, I mean, so I totally called it when the the Rays were playing the Astros. The Rays went to this crazy set of signs with nobody on base and that just means that they felt the Astros were stealing signs which I posted and boy you want to talk about some bitter salty fans those Astro fans did not like that at all mm-hmm. um, but it became out obvious that that they were doing it if you see some of the video now of the banging of the, the trash can it's obvious <laughs> the whistles are obvious um, and your question um, is it sign stealing kind of prevalent like yeah, when I played, everybody was trying to do it a little bit. You wanted to catch an edge, but like usually, like the only thing we would ever use would maybe be a pair of binoculars. But it was a little handicapped because the people in the binoculars were the people in the bullpen, and that was usually me, which meant I was looking in the stands, not really. At the, the <laughs> what were you? Time, what were you so. looking at in the stands? Were you looking at that front well, row where well, Amy's at? Well, I mean, we weren't looking for hot dogs. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's funny, man. I just wanted to get your take on it real quick. All right, Seth, so I saw you tweet this out, and uh, I'm glad you did because it was one of my first questions besides this, uh, the sign stealing and maybe looking for some cleavage. I mean, uh, uh, some other things in the stands. So you say Josh Hader is currently dominant, like seriously good, but the window on highly dominant relievers is usually short. This is probably an unpopular opinion, but flipping him now and getting multiple positions upgraded would be extremely smart. Do you think Brewers Nation would freak out on David Stearns and the organization if they were to trade Josh Hader? Or to your tweet, would it be smart to actually get something for Hader when his price is so high? Well, it, it's it's a catch twenty two because you know maybe when you trade when you flip a guy like like Hader who 
who is dominant. Let's just be let's be real. I know his last appearance wasn't the best uh, in Brewers' memory, but but this guy's top top talent in the league. Um, it's always scary to flip a guy like that because it's so hard to get a guy like that. Um, but if you're ready, you know, I don't think, I think we need a first baseman. I think we need a third baseman. I think we need some starting pitching. Uh, If you were to able, if you were able to to plug two holes for the two major league holes for the price of one and plus positions, uh, you know, maybe a team that's got a surplus of of somebody in that situation. Um, I think you do it. Now, the reason I think you do it is, is because the wear and tear on relievers is, is massive. Um, everybody thinks pitching out of the bullpen is, is easy. It's hard. Uh, nobody, you know, somebody, the arguments on Twitter, like, good Lord, like I, I love everybody and fans. Like I really do. And, and like people want to argue with me over things. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, guys, I'm kind of telling you how it is, not what I think. And warming up in the pen and not pitching does not go into your stats. So I can't tell you how many times a guy has to get up get dry humped, and then sit back down because he didn't go in the game. Those things all count. The accumulative of being ready to pitch every single day, it wears on you. So so for a guy in the bullpen, that's why those, the shelf lives are so small. Like, like you, you very rarely do you, do you see the guys who pitch longer than five, five years at a dominant level. Um, and, and even most of them are less than that out of the bullpen. So – the highest valuable person that you could, or the highest valuable he could be right now, his highest value is is current. And if you were able to flip him because you feel like you know maybe he's on his downside in a year or two, that's that's the best thing for him. Now the other thing for Hater is I don't think he's necessarily like a, a closer. I think his best part is that that setup guy, that, yeah. that seven eight guy is who I think he is. So I still think you have to go out and get a closer anyway. So why not take? Josh get some more pieces and and some you know prospects you know get some game ready guys and a couple low level prospects that might help you out later and and that's how a mid level market team competes for the championship every year I mean people are thinking one of the replies I had last night was or the night before was you know how are we going to compete for a World Series championship if we're trading with our best players and my response was getting two for one major league ball players that you know getting two or three level ball players is competing for uh, a championship. Yeah, people always uh, former Brewers reliever Seth McClung and all around legend joining the Joe Nebo show right now. Now, Seth, people don't realize sometimes they I mean they get caught up with loving a player, but it's a business at the end of the day. It is cutthroat, especially in like like baseball. I mean, all professional sports is cutthroat. Have you ever been involved in a a trade or a cut or something that you didn't see coming? It just blindsided you out of nowhere. Um, I, I mean, when you talk about cutthroat, like. I never really a trade or a cut. Um, usually saw all of that coming. Yeah. Uh, in my situation, but business. I mean, I, I, I've been I've been the odd man out a lot of times when I probably should have been the guy playing. Uh, people fans like their teams, and this is where you have to differentiate between what's going on in the business side and what's going on, on the fan side. Fans like their team like it is a college team, and like like it's a local high school team, really, with with your love for your area. But it's not played that way. You know, if I go sign up to play ball, they're not going to just put me on a team and, you know, whatever. It's not Little League. You know, there is a business that has to be run. You will cut players. It, and, and oftentimes, it, which, which is the sad part and the good part, like I am extremely loyal to my, my Milwaukee and Brewers experience. 
But at the end of the day, you know, they ended up signing Ken Maka, and Maka didn't like me, and Maka got rid of me. So <laughs> that's just the way it was. And, and, it's, and that's and, and as much as I hated that, and and and, and what it was, it was business at that time, and, and it was better for everybody to save face because Maka was the manager than than the janitor. I mean, <laughs> go ahead and cut me, get rid of me. So. Uh, well, can you feel that affecting the locker room though? Like, what, like well, the guy like Ken Maka comes in. Can you see and feel players just kind of turning on him because they, you know, just don't care for him? No, Ken Maka was an atomic bomb in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, no, definitely. <laughs> Seth, uh, I love you, man. Seth McClug joining us right now. Uh, I want to thank Nelson for uh, reaching out to him as well. So, Seth, looking at this Brewers team right now, are they? Do you think they're going through a retool, a rebuild? When you got like an MVP, I mean, Yelich, in my opinion, should have won a two time back to back MVP. Can, do you think that they're going through a retool right now, or is it still in David Stearns we trust? Well, I mean, and Yelich wins that MVP if he doesn't get hurt. So that's not, I mean, that's not even a question. And probably wins the MVP if the Brewers don't go on that tear at the end, too. Yeah. I and mean, that kind of ruins your MVP chances when your team gets a little bit better when you're not playing. Um, even though he's, he's, that's not going to be the case over the long haul. Sure. You've got a guy like, you've got, you've got a top three talent in the league like Yelich. You're, you're never really truly out of it. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a re, rebuild at all. Um, they just had guys who were at the end of their contracts. There's nothing you can do. I mean, yeah. you had guys at the end of the contracts. You signed those guys to one, two-year deals, and now they're gone. Um, you just have to go pick up other guys with one, two-year deals, just like they are, and, and go from there. Um, depends on what your farm system is. I mean, you know, I, I'm not – I mean, I, I watch the big league club. I don't follow the minor sure. league club very much, um, so I can't speak on that. But if they've got one or two guys that, that they feel like might be major league ready – you get them up there and see what they can do, and, and if not, you make a push at the trading deadline. You know, the Central's tight, so all you got to do is be within striking distance to, to get there. And, and so it's not like it's not one of these divisions that, that has to um, go out and, and win the division start to finish. I mean, it's going to be tight. The Central's going to be beating up on each other all year long. You know, whoever wins about 90, 90 games, 91 games is going to win it. And, you know, it's not one of those divisions where you're going to need to win 105 games to win or, you know, be built like the Dodgers or, or the Yankees or the Astros. You don't really have to be built that way. Sure. Um, you just got to be competitive. And then when you get in the playoffs, you know, anything can happen. So I think David Stern's got a little leeway when it comes to that, and, and he's probably thinking that way, that he has to build a club that needs to win between 88 and 91 games as opposed to, you know, having to go out there and, and, and have a guy, you know, like go sign Garrett Cole in Strasburg. I mean, as much as as much as everybody would love that, like, <laughs> they don't necessarily have to do that. Well, Seth, like, can you kind of just tell some of the listeners and some of the fans out there? It's only December fourth. Like, a lot of deals are going to be done here in the next few months. Like, this isn't the team that they should be worried about for the Brewers. There's there's a lot of guys out there that are not on the roster right now. Oh right. Well, the winter meetings haven't even happened yet, right? So I mean, they, they still they still got. They got they got time to do a whole bunch of stuff. I, um, I was going to say I feel like a lot of fans out there are freaking out because you hear some of the guys have all of a sudden kind of starting to sign and the Brewers haven't done anything, but there's plenty of time. Well, what's crazy is <clears throat> last year nobody signed, and at, at at this time of year, and now you actually got a few guys signing, and I and I think it's kind of an ebb and flow to where. Last year was such a, a dead period that now guys are getting offers and they're just taking them um, if they're close to what they want. 
but there's no need to really panic. I mean, there's there's tons of free agents out there. There's some names out there that are really intriguing, and um, you know I, that you know there's always trade possibilities. There's there's just so much there's so much to be played in the off season. You know, Christmas. Yeah. Don't worry. The presents are not even under the tree yet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, Seth. Before we let you go, man, I have uh, I have something I want a secret I want to let you in on. But before that, how was how was your turkey day, man? Did you do anything for Thanksgiving? Was there? Well, did you eat turkey? Did you eat ham? Was it prime rib? What'd you have? Well, I mean, a little bit of everything. I hung out with uh, my good buddy Elvis Casada, who was a former uh, Mets and Yankees uh, professional player, coached in the Yankees organization. We talked baseball the whole time. It was a good time. That's awesome, man. Yeah, um, I had like so many Thanksgivings. I, I probably put on about 20 pounds here. All right, so here it is, Seth. This is something I wanted to tell you, and I think Nelson kind of alluded it uh, to you before you came on. Nelson and I, I'll say more Nelson, had the great idea of having the Joe and Ebo Show Hall of Fame. You are going to be one of the inaugural busts here in the studio for be the Joe and Ebo Show Hall of Fame. Everyone that calls in, the guests that we have, you, we have certain criteria, and you meet all of them from comedy to knowledge, you know, ravishing good looks, and just overall on-air presence. So, Seth, so- sooner than later, we're going to get you a bust here in the studio. We'd love to have you on to make it official. So keep put that in your calendar, okay? We'll have a date so- uh, solidified coming up. Well, I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, obviously, you don't know exactly what I look like. So, uh, hey, I follow you on Twitter, dude. Than me, you will take it. That's Team Handsome <laughs> right there, Seth. That's Team Handsome, okay? We're going to unveil a whole – yeah? I, I love it. I can't – I just thank you. And we need to get the, the Brewers to put you on their, like, walk of fame, whatever it is. I, I'm, I'm all for it. Like I said, I'm, I'm Team Milwaukee. I love it up there. I, I'd live up there if I didn't have uh, kids down here and a business down here. I tell you that. Nelson said that our main goal this summer, once football is over, we're going to get on the Brewers' ass and make them put you on their, like, what was it, Nelson? Was it the Walk of Fame? The Walk of Honor? The Walk if, of if Honor. Trevor Hoffman, after one season, can get on it, I think you can get we're on We're getting it. you on that, McClung. No, that, that would be awesome, guys. Thank you. I'd be very honored. Hey, uh, love following you on Twitter. You want to tell everyone how they can uh, follow you and your handle and whatnot? Hey, just uh, Big Red uh, B-Ball 73. Uh, hit me and follow. I usually interact with pretty much everybody unless you say something really stupid. Then I either <laughs> joke with you or just ignore it. So I'm pretty into the interactions, um, and uh, I appreciate the, uh, the follow. Hey, Seth, and good luck on that Tinder, okay, brother? Hey, please swipe right. <laughs> See you, man. Thanks for the time. Take care. There he is, everyone. Seth McClung, former Brewers reliever. My man, I love that dude. Uh, yesterday, I didn't watch the show. I don't really watch the college football playoff rankings show because I just it just bugs me. I've watched it only one time since it started. I'll tune in once in a while. It's like background noise for me. But I saw the playoff rankings get released. And I got to be honest here, man. When they came out, there was something that was very, very oddly satisfying, even though it wasn't in the top four. Wisconsin comes in at eight. And if you look at the college football playoff rankings, the picture right below Wisconsin, they do, you know, one, two, three, four from left to right, then five, six, seven, eight from left to right. All the numbers are left to right. So Wisconsin is eight. Below Wisconsin from the left to right counting, Alabama is number 12. So it goes. Doesn't it feel good? It just felt good. It was satisfying to see Wisconsin ahead of Alabama on a college football playoff ranking poll. It felt good. Good. Didn't it feel good? I mean, when's the last time you saw Wisconsin ahead of Alabama on a poll? It had. It would have to be when was it? Uh, Shula was at Alabama tell in you. the mid, probably two thousands. It it just felt good. I f- I know they're not in the top four and they're not gonna looking like to get to the college football playoffs, but to see them in front of Ali 
Bama just felt good. Now, Nelson, you got really mad at us one day when you said that the Badgers still could make the college football playoffs and a lot of stuff happened. Joe and I said there's no chance. You got so pissed, you left the studio. We thought you left for good, but what you did was you got that baseball right there and you came back and you yelled at Joe. Uh, I forget why this happened, but you yelled at Joe to hold the baseball like he's going to throw a four-seamer. Yeah, because he doesn't know how. And that's how it all started. And Joe said, Nelson, I will eat this baseball if Wisconsin makes the college football playoffs. What have you gotten up the odds to at? Man, I haven't. I, I'll what have about fifty three? You got if everything broke. What? So who had that to was, win? That was going into last week. Who I, had to win though? It was Baylor had to win. Oklahoma State Oklahoma. over Oklahoma, which didn't happen. You needed uh, Alabama to lose to Auburn. That happened. Obviously, Wisconsin had to beat Minnesota. Yep. You had half of the stuff that you needed. So things are working out in Wisconsin's favor. Right now, Wisconsin is eighth. I mean, this is the best they're going to get, obviously, to get primed into the college football playoff, potentially. But even if the Badgers do believe this, even if the Badgers were to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game on Saturday, that they would be left out of the college football playoffs. They won the Big Ten, a Power Five conference. Even despite winning the Big Ten title game, they would still be left out, and Ohio State still locked, assured to get in. Do you believe that, correct? Yeah. Is there any scenario where Wisconsin actually does make it and we eat that delicious baseball? Dude, I'm pulling it up right now. I I don't I I don't see it happening. Okay, the newest the newest one, if Clemson, LSU both went out, obviously the Badgers have to beat Ohio State. Let's be real, that's probably the toughest thing. That's the tough one. Of all the things that has to happen. And Utah loses to Oregon. And Baylor beats Oklahoma, according to five thirty eight. Now this isn't the uh, not the, the o- voters that are on the yeah. the committee, but according to five thirty eight, Wisconsin would have a fifty one percent chance to make it. Ohio State a forty six. <sighs> so they're still thinking that it's going to be either Wisconsin or Ohio State. I think they have to jump Baylor. All right. So the yeah, but the biggest task in front of them, I think Ohio State's the best team in the nation. Oh, for sure. To beat Ohio State. Where do, where do you have LSU? I'm actually quite curious on this. Because a lot of people think they should be number one. I, I mean, LSU is phenomenal. I think Ohio State's just better. I'd have LSU at two or three. I think LSU's the third best team. I think yeah, Clemson, I that. the second half of the season, is a team I don't want to play. All right, so let's get back to Saturday. By the way, we're going to be at Tailgaters 5-7 to seven, doing the Joe Nebo Show live and then a watch party to watch the Big Ten title game in Stoughton. Come on down Main Street. Tailgaters going to be Liddy Committee. Jonathan Taylor made these comments after the Minnesota game. Listen, and, and let me ask you if you believe him. Uh, I think we're you know hitting on all cylinders now. You know, offense, defense, special teams. Uh, we talked, spoke about it when November started. You want to be playing your best football, it's championship football in November. So, I feel like right now we're, we're hitting on all cylinders. We're trusting one another, and now we, we earned a chance to have another chance to you know win a big game. And really, the biggest thing is making sure we have a great week of preparation. They're playing championship level football since November. They're hitting on all cylinders. And more comments afterwards. Or uh, Chris Orr was talking about it. By the way, first team all defense for Chris Orr, or uh, second team Bond was first team. And JT was talking about that they want to leave as champions. That they can take Ohio State down. And what happened in late October is nothing. They're not even thinking about it. it has no inkling on who they are as a team. Can they beat Ohio State? Are they playing championship level football right now? I don't I'm not gonna be a homer here, 
But I feel like they are. They do have a different attitude. Didn't you feel like the life was sucked out of the season once they lost to the Illinois mm-hmm. at Illinois? Mm-hmm. Like that was supposed to be the epic undefeated matchup. Number what was Ohio State number two at the time or whatever in the AP polls, and Wisconsin was six. Yep. And now all of a sudden you lose to Illinois. This is a different feel to me. Are they playing championship football in November, entering December for the Big Ten title matchup against Ohio State? See, I don't know if I would consider it championship football, but I do think they're playing their best football since they were undefeated. All right, give me the numbers because we had Dave from Nona call in and the uh, ever-positive shining beam of light in our life that he is. He said they weren't playing good football. I mean, if you look at the schedule, they've had some closer wins, but you never really felt like the game was out of out of their control to win, right? Yeah, right. Like, they were closer games. Like, he talks about how Iowa should have beat them. Wisconsin was up 21-6 to against Iowa, and then Iowa came back. Now, if you dig into the box score, that was a lot more of a lopsided game than 24-22. Wisconsin had nine more first downs, almost 200 yards more. They even lost the turnover battle. <laughs> like, all these things go into account. They still won the game. All right, rapid fire here. Wisconsin-Nebraska. Yeah, that was their worst game. They still won by over two touchdowns. Purdue, Wisconsin. They smoked Purdue. They had 11 more first downs, almost twice as many yards. They had 600 yards against Purdue. Not only that, they had four turnovers. Purdue only had one. They still won by three touchdowns. <laughs> How many times when you, you have three more turnovers than another team do you win by three touchdowns? Yeah, they need to take care of the ball better in that game. But then you go to Wisconsin-Minnesota. How about How about That's that? complete domination. That was complete domination for three quarters. I think this team does have a little bit of an attitude. They want some revenge. Now, do do I think they're going to go out and get it? I don't know, but I think we're going to see a much better effort than that 38 to 7. Yeah, 38 to 7. In Columbus. Uh October 26, 38 to 7, Wisconsin gets demolished by Ohio State. Ever since then, Wisconsin has looked like a completely different team, a team that is playing more inspired football. And you know what was nice to see last Saturday? Jack Cohn being able to or the coaches letting him throw the ball more than five yards down the field to hit Quintez Cephas. That was a thing of beauty. That's, and in the elements. Yeah. Cohn was, was balling. Snow and windy. What did yeah, they do against it. what did they do against Ohio State? That's, they that's they the ran only the ball way. up the middle every time with Jonathan Taylor. They didn't even let they didn't even let Cohn throw the ball. Didn't they throw a few uh corner routes to Oh. Cone was Cone was ten of seventeen for hundred and eight yards and one tutty. If I remember correctly, in that loss to Ohio State, it was a little fuzzy just because of the Union Corners event. Yeah, we may have drank a little bit, and especially in the second half. But I think, if I remember <laughs> correctly, there were a few corner routes thrown to Jake Ferguson where they connected for like passes of ten to fifteen yards. I think there was at least one or two yeah, of them. Cone connected. It was AJ Taylor scored the touch on that game too. Cone, now that they're letting him throw the football, it looks. Nice. It looks beautiful. Let the Badgers can't fall into being one dimensional. I know Jonathan Taylor is an incredible, incredible talent, but let Jack Jack Cohn won the job for a reason over Graham Mertz. Why? Because he's better than them and he's good. The the only way Wisconsin can win this game is if they let Jack Cohn win it for them. Jonathan Taylor cannot win this game for Wisconsin. If they're letting Jack Cohn win it, guess what? It opens up the run game for Jonathan Taylor. Right, exactly. You have to open it up for Jonathan Taylor. As good as Jonathan Taylor is, it doesn't matter when you have eight 
stud four and five star recruits at one of the best teams in the country all stacked in the box. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good you are. 